Welcome to Warren Radio, with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio Battle Lines. I am Tower, and we are glad you joined us. On Warren Radio Battle Lines broadcast, we feature an in-depth biblical study each week. All correspondence and inquiries of broadcasts of the WIBR Warren Radio Network can be sent to us through our contact page on warren-usa.com. Today is Thursday, the 19th day of March, 2020, and the scripture reading for this week is Exodus chapter 35, starting at verse 1 through chapter 4. 40 verse 38 1 Kings chapter 7 starting at verse 13 through chapter 8 verse 21 and the New Testament portion is 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 7 through 18 and also 2 Corinthians 9 verses 6 through 11 Be sure to follow the WIBR Warren Radio on Twitter at hashtag WatchmanIS216, also hashtag Warren Radio. On LinkedIn, you can find us by hashtag Watchman. Join us on USA.life at, and MeWe at hashtag Warren Radio. You can listen to, our, to Warren Radio through the following networks. Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Players, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warren Radio Visions on Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Deezer, and Podchaser. And you could also listen to the shows via the website, warren-usa.com. Dot com and DanaGlennSmith.com. Please take time to read the articles that the Watchman writes every week. They're inspired and they're pertinent for this day and age that we're living in. And this week we feature American Discontent, Faith and Fragility. American Discontent, Fragility or Frailty is instability or weakness. Faith is trust, confidence, and belief. While fragility can confront your faith, Christians are to overcome this through Christ Jesus. The fourth estate, fake news and deception. The fourth estate, have you heard of it? It is the fourth estate that has taken center stage today in America. Also, American Truth and Consequences. The truth and the consequences of any nation falling into sin, pride, and rejecting the truth follows an inevitable path of paranoia, fear, and delusion. And tonight on the show, Tomorrow We Die Too. This is Isaiah's prophetic book, part 40. And now I welcome in the Watchmen...
You're listening to WARN Radio on the WIBR WARN Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing great, even considering the paranoia and how people are just freaking out about this coronavirus. I am not paranoid or freaking out. I trust the Lord, and he will get us all through. That's what I believe. And I stand upon his promises because his book is a living word of God. It's true, and and he is faithful. Well, you know, tonight's study, we're going to be uh, dealing with judgment on Isaiah. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to talk about judgment. Nobody wants to hear it. And then even worse, when you're going through something that you could conceive as judgment, um, it's not fun. And no. so, you know, the bottom line of it is, is that whether you consider it the judgment of God, uh, just something freak, or, uh, you know, say Mother Earth, as they say, uh, threw something at us. I seen a video today and, and they were thanking, uh, I don't know who they were thanking, but they were saying thank you for everything. Uh, as far as uh, because of the judgment, it all led back to the coronavirus. We thank you for the coronavirus because you've made us more aware. You've saved the planet. You know, I mean, everybody's jumping on board here, but uh, you still have to get through it independently. Whether you think, whether you think this is the work of mother nature, whether you think this is the work of the devil, whether you believe in God or not, it really doesn't matter unless there's an unless here, unless you want the real truth. But judgment comes at all people the same way. What those people possess is the difference between making it through and not making it through. The good news is this virus is not going to wipe out humanity. The bad news, there are people who are going to die. The good news, we look today, they were warning when this began, all the elders and the seniors and everybody else. But in fact, the recent uh, results showed that people from 20 to 50, I think it was, are the ones that are getting hit the most. That's not the group that they thought. And yesterday, I seen a picture of all the kids down in Florida during spring break doing their thing, ignoring, you know, this uh, six-foot rule. That is crazy. That is just stupidity on their part. And a young woman, 39 years old from the U.K., Uh, got taken ill. She had the coronavirus. She wound up in the emergency room and she did a video from it telling people how bad it was. 
and trying to tell him to be careful. Uh, she looks like a mess, the poor thing, but she's 39 years old. And she was someone that worked out in the gyms and uh, she was healthy and everything. And she got it. So um, you got to be careful with it. Yeah, you do. And it's, and if it's, an incon- it's inconvenience for everybody. It's impacting everybody's lives. And you just have to be patient and work through this and help as many people as you can. Yeah. So at any rate, and, we're going and above to... All uh, else, and above all else, you need to trust the Lord. Yeah. That's true. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Okay, I'll see you on the other side. Okay. We left off in Isaiah 22:13. But I'm going to go to 22:12. In that day did the Lord God of hosts call to weeping and to mourning, to baldness, to girding with sackcloth. Of course, we've discussed the Lord God of hosts, that's Adonai is the Lord. God is Jehovah, and host means over all agencies. That means everything is under his province, wisdom, and direction. And so what the Lord is calling uh, to be done here is repentance, lamentations. That's what all this is about. Now, the answer appears in verse 13. And behold, joy and gladness, slaying oxen, killing sheep, eating flesh, drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. Now, see, that's that's one of those results where if you would have repented, God could have turned around your captivity, but instead you didn't re- repent. And you're celebrating on the rooftops saying, well, we're going to eat and drink today and enjoy ourselves because tomorrow we're going to die. You know, there's one thing about mankind, and that is the fact they don't like bad news. And you can take the coronavirus as an example for us here on this earth. Right now, it's worldwide. And whether you think it's the China virus or whether you think it's an American virus or whether you think it's the devil's virus, whatever you think, doesn't matter. The bottom line of it is it's here. And people are affected by it, just about everybody. Companies are affected by it. Nations are affected by it. It's not just America that's trying to free up funds to help its citizens and to help the businesses. Many others are doing the same thing. So you turn around and then you see a country like North Korea, whose pompous dictator boldly decrees that we don't have any, which more than likely is a lie. They don't want to admit it, but yet, who knows? Maybe they don't, because it is a closed country. But when you look and you see what is happening in America, you know that Americans basically don't want bad news. Having a pandemic in America is not what we want. We want the economy to be doing good. We want the stock market to be up. We want everybody to have a job. We want to continue to be divided and blast uh, Trump. 
you know, in all kinds of things, we have our life. Now, see, in Israel at the time this has happened, they didn't want judgment either. They weren't where they should have been spiritually, and, of course, neither are many of the nations today as well. You know, for God tells us in the prophets many times that he's going to be judging the nations. That's not a matter of if or a matter of interpretation. It's common knowledge. If you've read the Bible, if you've been in it, you know there's judgment on the nations. Well, the nations don't like that. Jerusalem didn't either, but Israel had fallen away. And instead of getting all serious over their sins, they thought, well, let's just go have a party and get drunk. We'll eat, do whatever we want to do, and then we'll just die. Because that's that's the way to go out, celebrating. You know, that idea... Uh, actually was full in the mid-60s to the 70s. It's actually probably started in the mid-50s with the biker groups. Now, I was fond of the biker groups. I was a motorcyclist. Uh, I had bikes, a lot of them, ran around. And, of course, the biggest thing that they pushed back then was going as fast as you can on your bike, you know, just higher than ever. It's called going out on the high side. And then just flying off a cliff somewhere, flying off the high side. Well, many of them did do that. Many others died other ways. And, uh, you know, society learned pretty quick that that's really not the smart thing to be doing. But see, this is the way it is today in the world. We have this propensity to think, as many of the young people do, we're going to live forever. Or maybe God isn't serious. But I'm here to tell you, that things happen, and many times you are one inch or less away from destruction. And it's just that one little moment where you couldn't stop it that God spares your life and you're able to live. I've had a few moments like those in my life, and I can tell you that you have no time to rewind so now we come to Isaiah 22:14 and the lesson my friends especially during the coronavirus you need to look beyond the face value of what you see here you need to get to the heart your heart now if you don't want to believe in the Lord God that's your privilege you know I'm here to testify Revelation 12:11 they overcame by the blood of the lamb the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death that's the that's the marching orders out of revelation for this generation but there's also another one found in revelation 22 and just a couple of the lines go like this he that is wicked let him be wicked still he that is evil let him be evil still you follow that down he says for i come quickly my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. We are living in the time of lawlessness. And so if you choose to be lawless, if you choose to be wicked, or if you choose to follow the word of God and choose to believe by faith and walk in his ways, well, there's two ways to go. That's your choice. 
You don't have to listen. You don't have to pay attention. You don't have to be nice. You can do whatever you want to because one day the judgment will find you. Now, see, that's what the coronavirus reminds us of. It takes us out of that, you know, that mentality that it'll never happen to us. That we're America, this don't happen. We're rich, it don't happen. You don't starve. You haven't had much inconvenience. You've never had a major war except for the fact of Vietnam and, of course, through Iraq and Afghanistan. But those were different kinds of wars, but people still died. There was the Korean War. There was the big, deep, you know, Great Depression. Now, see, all of my in-laws, my in-laws went through these things. But there's been a generation that grew up that fell away from the Lord in America, and there was a generation that fell away from the Lord in Isaiah, and there's a generation that uh, fell away from the Lord in the U.K. and throughout the E.U. I got news for you. The judgment is here to let you remember what you've forgotten. Now, see, because of the way Isaiah, I mean, Isaiah is recording this, and because of the way the people reacted, instead of repenting, they're rejoicing, saying, well, tomorrow we're going to die, but when we die, we're going to be drunk, we're going to be have all the food we can eat, you know, and we're going to go out on the high side. That's just, like I told you, from the 60s, the 50s, and other generations have had stuff like this. You're free, you're in charge of your life. But see, most of the guys that tried that really didn't try to kill themselves. There was a few that did go over the cliff. Most of them tried to go 90 miles an hour while they're higher than all get out and still make it back alive. I remember Art Linkletter's uh, kid. uh, Not sure if it was a daughter or a son. They were high on LSD and went out the window. They were high up. They died. There was a lot of that. Life is short. Now, see, God sends judgment and allows things like the coronavirus. You'd say, well, God didn't allow this. He sure did. Now, it doesn't matter that you don't believe it. It doesn't matter to me whether you do or not. But the bottom line of it is God is in charge of everything that's on this earth. And the fact that it does happen... And one of the reasons it happens is because, as Isaiah 24 points out, the curse is devoured the earth. And part of these things come from the curse, the breaking down of the earth and the systems that hold it together. And we're going to get into that, and we'll show you what Isaiah was talking about. So make no mistake about it. There are things coming, and they're a lot worse than the coronavirus. So if you haven't repented, you need to repent. Just like Isaiah, you know, they should have repented, but they didn't. And so the next time, the very next verse, Isaiah says, and it was revealed in my ears by the Lord of hosts. This is a direct message in his ears. He heard it. Surely this iniquity shall not be purged from you till you die, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, they scoffed. 
about what God would do. Now see, the people and leaders of Judah had a love of life. The Jews do have a love of life. Uh, they, they really do love life. They're a different kind of a people. Um, probably rejoicing in various manners a lot more than what uh, many Americans would. It was a love of life that scoffed at death and scoffed at God's call for repentance. And, of course, they also scoffed by doing this. They scoffed at God's will. He controls all things. And so because they directly challenged God and ignored him, they did so to their own detriment. You see, by their death, they're not hurting God. They die in disobedience. Now, see, God says, well, it's not going to be excused or forgiven in any other way than by the death of the scoffer, the ones who are doing it. Now, in Isaiah twenty-two fifteen. Now, within all this, Isaiah does cover some of the things. Now, when we talk about Shebna, you'll find him in Isaiah, uh, the chapters 36, 37, and 2 Kings 19. And he was uh, the vizier or the chamberlain or the one over the king's household. He also had charge over the treasury. He's pretty important. And of course, what happened was over time, pride entered in. And pride had him determined that he would hew out a sepulcher for himself out of the rocks of the city. Usually that's reserved for like the king, but this guy just took care of the treasury. And so he had judgment coming. Now here it says, Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, Go get thee unto this treasure, even unto Shebna, and he was under Hezekiah, now, which is over the house, and say, What have you here? Or what hast thou here? Whom hast thou here? That you have hewed out, hewed thee out a sepulcher here, as he that heweth him out a sepulcher on high, that graveth the habitation for himself in a rock. And so there was a judgment on Shebna for this. Now, of course, Hezekiah did face, uh, you know, 
Sennacherib when he came and Hezekiah and Jerusalem were spared because the angel of the Lord struck dead a bunch of the soldiers. There was only Sennacherib left, and he was killed in the house of his God by his two sons. And it's an amazing thing when we look at this section that Isaiah is telling you about judgment, but he breaks to bring you some of these stories, what happens under Hezekiah. And he goes on to say, and behold, the Lord Lord will carry thee away with mighty captivity and will surely cover thee. He will surely violently turn and toss thee, or you, like a ball, into a large country. There you will die, and there the chariots of your glory shall be as the shame of thy Lord's house. I'll drive thee from thy station, and from thy state shall he pull thee down. When we put ourselves on high as a nation or somebody in authority, you know, we can become pompous. You see, because the very breath that you breathe is used many times to curse God. Now, it is something that this virus, the coronavirus, affects the respiratory So if you're walking around as one who curses God regularly, I would suggest a change of habits. For the coronavirus takes away your breath. Now you may say, well, God is love and he doesn't do that. Well, that's fine. I don't have to agree with you. I don't even have to disagree. Because he is a God of love. But there comes a time when his people, in dealing directly with his people, who were Israel, who should have known better, fell away. And the abominations that they were doing were inexcusable. And then you look down and you look among the people. You have some pompous individual there making himself one of these sepulchers, which... To have a real nice sepulcher at the time, you had to have money and power. You had to have authority. But because of who he was, he could do it and get away with it. Look at me. I got my own sepulcher. Well, he would never get to use it because God would take him away. And there's so many people, young people included. You know, I follow the abortion thing quite a bit through uh, what uh, uh, Jay Seculo and his group are doing to fight Planned Parenthood. I also, on all of our Twitter feeds and various other things, get a lot of information flowing through it. And it's common to see young girls who want to have abortions. There's been videos of girls that came across our feed of young girls trying to practice self-abortion or beating themselves on the stomach when they're pregnant. 
what gets into people? Hearsay. This is what the problem is with social media. Just because it's tweeted out or on a video doesn't mean it has any truth to it. Do you not know the devil is well in tune with the principles and the workings of these social sites? What I'm saying is life is short, folks. And many times the young people, especially today, are driven to do things because they're deceived. You look around, you want to know where the moral is. But what you see is people saying good is evil and evil is good. That's exactly what they were doing in Israel. And so in Isaiah 22, 20, it says, It shall come to pass in that day that I'll call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. He succeeded him. And Shebna thus becomes deposed, and Eliakim is set in his place. Now, see, when he became a treasurer, and, of course, he was over the house of the head, You see, when they install him, it's kind of a pomp ceremony, a robe and a girdle. He has an insignia of his office. The government's committed into his hand, and he becomes the father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Now, see, we find that out because that's the description that Isaiah gives for the installation of Eliakim. You see, this is how Shebna became what he became. Verse 21, and I'll clothe him with thy robe, strengthen him with thy girdle, and I'll commit thy government into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Now, see, it goes even further than this. And when you look at it, the prophecy is evident. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none uh, shall open. Now, within here, the key of the house of David is what Yahshua, Jesus Christ, fulfilled. Now, Eliakim, you could say that he is a type of the Messiah. But see, during his time that he was in it, he was given this power. He had authority, and everything in that city was done through him. So it was important that God put in someone that that he could trust. Shebna, under his rule, Judah had fell away. They were all corrupt. But you see, when righteousness needs to overthrow unrighteousness, there's only one way to do it. And that is by strength. You have to count the cost. If you were two kings back in the times of King Arthur and you didn't like the other king over on the other hill, 
He said, well, I'm going to take my army and I'm going to destroy him. But the Lord says of such action, who is he that goes to battle without first counting the cost? It would be foolish to go out if you had a thousand men and your enemy had 5,000 men. That would be dumb. The best thing to do is become a friend to him, not try to overthrow him. Now, you see, when we get to the true greater son of David, who has already come as the suffering servant, was born of a virgin, revealed the father to Israel, died on the cross for our sins, was resurrected from the dead, was seen alive by many infallible proofs and witnesses, ascended to the right hand of the Father and is coming again. And he's going to come again to rule on his throne. And at that time, he will be fulfilling as the role of the greater son of David, all those things promised to the house of David, to David himself. So this verse 22 has a lot of prophetic emphasis in it. And verse 23, and I'll fasten him, fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. Now, see, Shevna was, I mean, Eliakim was going to be put in place. Nobody would replace him. And his father's house is all that going back to the house of David, ensuring that David's house, that which God promised, would be sustained. That's through which the promises have flown, flowed to us today. But see, when we talk about the Messiah, the greater son of David, he was one who was nailed in a sure place. He was nailed to the cross, and he bore our sins. That's through the atonement. Our Father and our God made sure that the atonement was made through the blood. And it was through the blood that that atonement was accomplished. The blood of the Lord was the atonement and the cross became the curse. For cursed is everyone who is bound to such a tree, a cross. And so... I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. And in Revelation 1, he says, I am he that was dead and am alive forevermore. And behold, I have the keys of death and hell. He calls himself the Almighty. That's Revelation 1. Revelation 22, the end of the book, he says, He that is wicked, let him be wicked still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. Why? For I come quickly. My reward is with me. That is the power of the greater son of David. That's the power of the son of God. He will put down all rule. And he will judge all men. So while we look at this judgment that is put in here by Isaiah, there are nuggets of prophecy and things that show us 
a greater vision of what God had intended, not just for the house of David, but for the world and all those who would believe upon this one who God set there. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring, the issue, and all vessels of small quantity from the vessels of cups even to the vessels of flagons. Now, of course, Eliakim would have gotten everything. You know, he would have had everything that came with the office. But see, as far as the Messiah comes, he will have the glory of the Father, all the fulfillment of the Father. And so while we see cups and vessels and flagons, he will have his kingdom, which shall never end. Even Daniel spoke of this. Now, Isaiah... In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in the sure place be removed and be cut down and fall. And the burden that was upon it shall be cut off, for the Lord has spoken it. Now, see, this is where the whole thing takes a sudden change. We're talking about Shebna and what he did in his pride. How Eliakim was the one that God put in there. But now in verse 25, we see that, number one, we know Eliakim replaced Shebna. Number two, we know that Eliakim was elevated, and he was fastened like a nail to that position. Nobody was going to remove him, and he had all the glory that went with it. But see, in the 14th year of Hezekiah, which is what we're relating to, it was not Shebna, but Eliakim, who was over this house at the time. And so it was Eliakim who then, at this point, was removed. We don't know any more about this, which the prophet is saying, than that. But what it tells you is how people rise to power and how they fall. And the glory thereof is short-lived. Because if Shebna had the position and fell because of everything he did, his pride and everything, it is easy to have pride when you have all the authority and you have all the power and everybody looks up to you. But when you fall, the fall is great. Eliakim then replaces him, and it doesn't say that he sinned. The nail that was fastened is going to be removed and cut down and fall, and the burden that was upon it shall be cut off. Now, see, we know eventually 
See, during the time of Hezekiah, Judah escaped. And Isaiah is prophesying this ahead of time. But under Jeremiah, who was years later, we know that Judah officially fell to Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar and went into captivity for 70 years. At the end of that 70 years, Cyrus defeated and took over Babylon. And it's interesting to note that and and I find this just absolutely interesting. If you go to Isaiah 26, it says, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Now, in this particular verse in Isaiah 26, the people were told to hide until this indignation, this anger, this rage, this fury, this is the original Hebrew, takes place. That is the judgment of God. The judgment of God here in Isaiah 26 is upon Babylon at the time of the judgment when God is judging him. And he tells his people to go and hide until the indignation is over. Because it was after that indignation it was not Nebuchadnezzar, but it was his kids who had eventually uh, were deposed. That Cyrus had taken the kingdom. He sent a king. I forgot which one it was, but they had over overthrown Babylon. And it was the decree of Cyrus who sent the Jews back into Israel Uh, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and the temple of Jerusalem and repopulate it. Cyrus was known as as that Messiah, the Lord's anointed. It's written about in the book. So all of this is connected here. And when we talk about judgment, you can say anything you want to about it. It doesn't matter as long as it's not happening to you. But when it begins to happen to you and to your family, you know, you would be surprised how quick some people decide to repent. How many people decide, well, maybe I need to watch what I'm saying. Maybe I need to watch what I'm doing. Maybe I need to do something about the way I've been acting. Or saying. And we look at America today and we see the divisiveness and the divisions. We see the hatred. 
And then you look at this and you say, well, maybe God is just telling us, you know, children, I'm not pleased with what you're doing. Now, this is a reminder of where you stand right now. See, judgment is always redemptive. See, even this coronavirus, even if you were to die from it, there's always a purpose in everything. Now, see, God gives you a chance to live on this earth. But it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Now, my pastor told me that when I was talking about judgment with him back in the 70s. Because I was talking about storing up food and being prepared and everything like that. and He told me, well, you can't store up a lot of stuff. People just hear you and take it from you. Well, of course, I that didn't go well because as a young, uh, a lot younger than I am now, I, I said, well, if we don't have food, we're going to starve. Of course, he was a seasoned old pastor. and He just chuckled and had a twinkle in his eyes. And he says, well, it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment, the point being, son, you're going to be with the Lord anyway. What you worrying about? Well, I'm worrying because I don't want to die. See, That was the youth in me. See, God is telling the youth. He's telling the nations, and he's telling them all. You don't think he's telling them all? It doesn't matter whether you think he is. I guarantee you he is. There is nothing that happens on this planet without the Lord God. Whether it's coronavirus, whether it's SARS, he sent his son to redeem you from the curse So you wouldn't be worried about the curse. And it's the curse which has devoured the earth, which out of that curse comes curses like the coronavirus. That's what the curse is all about. It comes clear back to the beginning when the first curse began. And the curse has devoured because it took over the earth. And even in the last days, the Lord said, people's hearts will fail them for fear of those things coming upon the earth. Now, see, when we first used to think about that, we used to think that that meant just literal fear, that they would die of a heart attack. But that's not what that means. That can be included in it, but what it means is they shall fear. They'd be willing. They will so fear in their heart that they'd be willing to do anything not to have that fear including following a false leader who will promise him everything that has signs and miracles following him. And you'll see him in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. You'll see him in Revelation chapter 13. And you'll see a false prophet doing signs and miracles. And at the end of that, they're taking the mark of the beast. They fall into judgment. And why are they doing it? Second Thessalonians 2 tells us because they rejected the love of the truth which is God loving us, sending his only begotten son, his son coming, dying on the cross for us because he loved us. That's called the love of the truth, the love of God, the love of the son. We're supposed to have the love of the saints. We're supposed to walk as his children. Why do we bite and devour one another, James says? Be careful that you're not consumed. So when you start talking about coronavirus and start telling me that you're perfect, I call you mistaken. When you say America is a great nation, yeah, America has been a great nation, but we fell away. Even today, I've been noticing more and more preachers, old-time preachers and things, getting up, getting on Twitter, saying, okay, folks, 
it's time. We need to stop this, and we need to draw closer to God. But see, the problem of it is we have a lot of them that have a different function on who God is. Many of them reject Jesus Christ. There's a whole line of darkness that don't want to go there. There's another line of darkness that serves the dark one. And then there's people that don't believe. You can't just say, okay, let's all repent. Because it doesn't work that way. We are in that time frame of the end of days. And there's going to be this stirring. But yet for Israel, this is redemptive. This judgment is meant to bring them to himself. And if you're going to do anything during this particular time, you need to seek the Lord. You need to seek him. I've learned from experience over the years that within the church, many times we bury our wounded while they're still alive. I have learned from doing this, and so has Tower, through all the years associated with the church and some of the functions and the pastorates and various other things, that people in their righteousness do wicked things. They just think they're righteous. Israel thought they were fine. Guess what? They weren't. And when they went through it, they were still his people. God didn't stop being their father. But God had to redeem them. And I'll tell you who God is concerned about right now. He's concerned about preserving you. He's interested in you. He ain't worried about all your political policies. He ain't worried about your battles that you get every day and you get up and you fight over your political messages. And he's not worried about those who are fighting over religious uh, uh, differences and are going around murdering other people all over the place, like ISIS and other extremist Muslims. But the Hindus are doing it. The Chinese are doing it. North Korea is doing it. Iran is doing it. He's saying to all these countries, you better pay attention because you're going to stand before me one day. So in when you look at judgment, judgment is not your enemy. Judgment is your friend. But yet when you're going through it, it's your enemy because it doesn't feel so good. Paul talks about that. Your father chastises you. You know, you're the son or the daughter. He's your dad. He's your father. So he chastises you. Well, it doesn't feel good when you're getting spanked by the Lord. You go through things because he sends it your way because you're disobedient. But Paul says it does you good in the latter end. Well, I was raised up the old-fashioned way at the end of a two-inch wide leather belt. I remember my dad telling me, This hurt him more than it did me. I could never figure that out in the time I wanted the belt so I could beat him. 
But you see, my dad and my mom made sure I was in church all the time. He he raised me with a conscience that said, you know, God gave you a conscience on purpose so you'd know right and wrong. But if your conscience is seared, though, if you're not taught the right thing, my dad knew also that if you raise a child in the way that he ought to go when he is old, he'll not depart from it. You see, it all relates here. And today God is saying, what are you going to do? You've got your own crisis today. It'll be over. The question is, what are you going to learn from it? That's the question we all have to answer ourselves. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy today. Lord, bless those who have heard this and help them meet their needs, undertake in their lives, continue to draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name, we ask it in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, in the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word. In Jesus' name. Okay, Tower. And so we will be in chapter 23. And we're going to be talking about Tyre and Sidon. And we'll be relating to things right along the Phoenician coast. So are you back? I am. Yeah, it's interesting how this goes along with what's going on today. Yeah, we got our own crisis. Yeah. That we do. I mean, it's not an army at at our gates, but it is an army, a virus. It is. It's and a, it is a war. A battle. Yes. You know, and that's what uh, I think it was Pence was saying, and Trump was talking about mobilizing the army. You know, it is an invasion, and people need to see it as that. You need to mobilize. You need to be one. You need to be together. That's right. And the people I see on Twitter and the stupid things they say and the fake news that I see around is just disgusting. Yeah, and it's unbelievable how idiotic and wicked people can be in this time, in a time like this. Well, see, you know, the thing of it is, is that when you look at the whole situation... The idea is to get through this. So at any rate, tomorrow morning we have uh, another one. And uh, then we'll have the weekend. And around here, there's a lot of anxiety about what's going on. But see, I open the door to tomorrow. And Tower's been right there with me. With faith. We believe unequivocally that no matter what comes our way, God will make a way for us and our family. Amen. That's right. And we believe that. And so I encourage you to seek the Lord. And do not doubt. And no matter what happens... 
continue to trust. And we pray that it goes well with you and your family. For us, we're all kind of separated different parts, but God can save to the uttermost. Amen. So with that, we're going to get out of here. Well, I want to thank you, everybody, for joining us whenever you do and wherever you're at. We're praying for all your safety and your well-being. Be careful and take care of yourselves. These are difficult times, and we have to come together. And we, we love you, and we pray for you, and we hope the best for all of you. God bless you. Good night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Well, folks, good night. May God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Remember, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. This is the Watchman. Shalom, everybody. Till next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.